0: Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to The Deal Room Podcast, brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Welcome to the final half hour of our two-part series with Toby Tester, where we run through some common mistakes that unwittingly get you into the M&A Failure Club. And this is a club that you certainly don't want to be a member of. In part one, we got to know Toby and had a bit of a discussion about his background in aerospace and how these fields heavily influenced his unique approach to M&A transactions. Toby also drilled into the three key areas by which he measures the level of success of a particular deal or transaction. So those are, if you haven't heard the episode, strategic, financial, and operational aspects. We then talked about the first three common mistakes, which are deal fever, a passive and uninvolved board, and a failure to get educated and follow best practices. So if you miss part 1, make sure to flip back to episode 30 and have a listen to it, which you'll find on iTunes or via our website at thedealroompodcast.com. But for now, keep listening in because in this episode we'll talk about the concept of seeing your M&A transactions as transformation opportunities rather than a mere business process. We also talk about zombie acquirers and how not to be one. And on the flip side, if you're a seller, then these are the sorts of buyers that you want to keep away from. Then we look into three key investments that you ought to consider to ensure successful outcomes from your M&A activity. That is investing in people, in processes, and in good leadership. And finally, we close out the series by leaving you with some actionable tips in this area if you're an advisor involved in this space. So here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? Okay, here we go.
1: You're listening to The Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions.
0: Get across trends in the area
1: and hear the industry's best recount their real-life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki.
0: So understand best practice, get educated. I like that one. What's next on your list there, Toby?
1: Well, the next big list is, to, and this is an interesting one, is to see M and A as a transformation opportunity and not a business process. So, when I say this, what I mean is this: is that the reason why we go ahead and acquire businesses that we want to transform what we do. Don't see it as simply an exercise to buy a business and to complete a deal and then figure out what you're going to do afterwards. Okay, think of this as Here's a, an enormous opportunity to really change be a game changer you're changing the game in terms of what you're doing m a is a catalyst for change, and so it is possible and a great opportunity to transform what you do so don't just see m a as just a process of acquiring a business, paying money for the business, and then doing something afterwards that somehow integrates to a certain extent but a few bits and pieces um, here and there, but think of it more holistically as a transformation opportunity.
0: Mm, Which is really interesting, I I think, because often I feel organisations see M&A perhaps through a singular lens as a growth tool, but perhaps not as a transformational tool as you're talking about.
1: Well, it's certainly a growth tool. Transformation and growth are, are somewhat synonymous. I think what we've got to say is, yes, of course it's growth, but but how do you achieve growth? Well, growth is actually achieved through the act of transformation. And when I mean transformation, it means looking at your business model, looking at your operating model and saying, what is it I'm actually changing to that business model? And what are the steps that I need to be taking once I acquire this business to basically renew my business model? Going back to the business model and actually saying, what's my business model going to look like after I achieve this business?
0: Which requires a lot of thinking. I can see the issues, but why this thinking process would really have such a massive impact on in really expanding the success that's possible from an acquisition.
1: Yes, indeed. Yeah.
0: Part of what you've touched on there, I think, in relation to the integration side, reminds me of I'm dealing with an issue at the moment with a client that is dealing with an organisation that has just completed a large run of acquisitions. Now, the issue in this particular environment, it's a very large organisation, is that They have failed to integrate the systems, and in this case, it's in particular the technology systems, but I think that probably also then runs through to many other elements of the business, but the technology is the area that is primarily noticeable. And that means that what that's caused in this business is for the business process itself that used to run well in each of the individual organisations before they were merged together, is now together almost seizing up because of a failure of someone to sit there and, you know, look at how we integrate all of these parts in a way that transforms us into something better. On the opposite side, what it's actually created is um, a business model that's starting to seize now.
1: Yes, that's it, John What you're looking at is probably one of the biggest issues of all. And I've, if I go right back to failure and joining the Failure Club, remember I I talked about strategic success, which we touched on, financial success. The last one was operational success. And what we're talking about now is operational success. And that's the area where organizations find themselves to be least successful. And I have a term for this. Organizations that actually go around acquiring other businesses and don't integrate are basically, I refer to them as zombie acquirers.
0: What did you get? Zombie acquirers. I like that, Toby. Toby. (laughs) <laughs> see i told you you're creative
1: <laughs> zombie acquirers are one of those that buy business and leave nothing but dysfunction in their wake and the way that happens is that they don't integrate in other words and i think many people have seen it i've seen it where you have multiple general ledgers multiple information systems and multiple this and multiple that and it gets to the point whereby the organization can't even produce a single consolidated L.
0: yeah yeah
1: And if you can't do that, then on the old adage that you can only manage what you can measure, then you've lost all management control and you have a rudderless ship. So integration is the critical factor to all of this to make sure that an M&A deal is a success.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's interesting if we go back to talking about what it is that organizations are looking at prior to an acquisition. And we discussed, you you know, financial and strategic. I, I just wonder if often they're just not thinking clearly about operational and what operational success looks like, you know, at the end.
1: Indeed, indeed. And I, and I think that. That comes down to understanding what happens afterwards. And I think, again, it comes back down to deal fever again. Deal fever, uh, what that means is that deal completion defines success, and it's not. It is what happens after the deal is done. And so sometimes deal fever means you you can't see past the deal completion, the point at which money is handed over and the keys are taken over to the business. There is more work to be done. And I think it's important that when you acquire a business and it has been, you know, the deal completion's occurred, all you're getting is a promissory note of future value. The check has not been cashed. Okay? So this promissory note will turn into cash, but to do that, you need to integrate the business. And to integrate the business, you need to think quite clearly and logically about all the bits that you need to do to ensure operational success.
0: I wonder as well if this comes back to picking the right people to be on the deal team and applying the right roles for each person because often there really does need to be a certain energy behind someone who's pushing the deal because sometimes to get the deal across the line, you really need, maybe you need a little element of deal fever to actually keep you focused enough.
1: Yes, I agree. There is that little element. And to be honest, I'll I'll make it real simple. When it comes to having success, making sure that the biggest investment that you're ever going to make as a business is going to be successful, I would say there are just three things. And I would say one of them is people. Make sure that you've got skilled people who've, who've passed through the fire before. They know what it feels like, and can apply those knowledge and skills to your particular deal. And that could be a number of different areas, whether it's in valuation, whether it's in due diligence, whether it's in integration, whether it's in the legal side, it's ensuring that you've got those experienced people on board. Secondly, make sure you've got a process. You've got goals, you've got governance, and a clear set of steps that take you from the beginning of a deal all the way to the very end. And I'd say the third one, which goes straight to your point about a little bit of deal uh, deal fever, and I'd call that leadership. And I think fundamentally it's bringing those people and the process together because ultimately, ultimately, a failed merger or a failed deal is a failure in leadership.
0: Yeah, which is, which is a really important point. And, and part of that leadership as well is going back to making sure – you have the right people on the team. And when you're talking about skilled people, I guess then it's also about making sure that you have someone who specifically has their eye on the operational elements or specifically has their eye on integration as a whole.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I often think of it as, um, you remember in the uh, times of the circus when you had someone like spinning lots of um, plates on top of sticks? You know, they go around, they shake that little stick and the plate's spinning and they shake another stick, another (laughs) plate's spinning. And I think that's the role of leadership is to make sure that you've really got all those plates spinning (laughs) and none of those plates fall over. And I often think of an M&A deal like that. So if I give you that visual there. I love it. There's lots of spinning plates.
0: sticks. I I really like that visual. I'm sure all of our listeners now will be um, leaving this podcast just uh, forevermore thinking of <laughs> an M&A deal in terms of spinning plates.
1: <laughs> On top of sticks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> On top of sticks, exactly, exactly. <laughs> one thing I, I guess I want to ask in all of this, like I, I think a lot of the studies that you've talked about have been focused on large deals. Is that right? Larger organisations, listed organisations. I'd like to talk a bit about how this applies also to smaller transactions, because I think everything that you've talked about is equally as applicable to smaller transactions as well. What's your feeling about that?
1: No, I'd agree with you. In actual fact, I would say that it actually, if, if anything, it actually applies even more. Because when you're dealing with the big deals, they, they've read the literature. They've, they understand the problems. They've learned the mistakes. And so when you're dealing with deals, and I've, you know, there's only one announced today. I think it was um, uh, Fox's um, Disney is buying um, Fox, Fox movies. I think it was. That's an enormous deal, $55 billion, if I remember correctly. Now, there's a lot in that, and so they will make sure that that gets executed well. The thing is, is that the same things that I've been talking about really do apply to small acquisitions as well. Even if it's just a million dollars or $2 million or even less sometimes, the same problems come up. It is basically making sure that we got the people on board who know what they're doing to make sure the deal success. There is a process and there is leadership. And so it comes in those three things. They don't go away. And yes, you don't need such a big due diligence um, checklist that you were talking about earlier on. Mm,
0: although sometimes it's still provided, but <laughs>
1: nonetheless, go through the steps. And and sometimes if there's a step you're doing, you're you're not going to follow, or you're not going to take on this particular case, you're doing it knowingly. So in other words, there is there is most certainly a method, process, clear sets of steps associated with the whole M and A exercise. And to go through it consciously, go through the steps, and then when they don't apply in your particular deal, say, yep, that's not applicable to us. Tick. Okay, fine. Next.
0: Let's take a short break. When we get back, Toby walks us through his simple strategy in approaching m and transactions. And of course, we close this series out by leaving you with some tips if you're an advisor working in the fascinating world of mergers and acquisitions. And that's next. I'm Joanna Oki and you're listening to The Deal Room Podcast, brought to you by Aspect Legal. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance, and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition, so see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at Aspectlegal.com.au. Welcome back. Earlier, we talked about the concept of seeing M&A as an opportunity to transform what you do in your business. We also warned you about what Toby calls zombie acquirers, which I think is a fabulous name. (laughs) organizations that go around acquiring other businesses but don't properly integrate. And just before the break, Toby drilled into the importance of investing in good people, good processes, and good leadership in order to get the best outcomes for your M&A deals. Now, let's keep the conversation going and talk about Toby's simple yet unique strategy in helping his clients through a business sale or purchase. And finally, we close out the series with Toby's top tips for M&A advisors and how they can help their clients from avoiding the M&A failure club. And so... When you work with organisations, Toby, how is it that you help them work through each of these areas? Because there's a lot there. There's a lot in what you've been talking about. There's a lot, as you say, bringing back the picture of the spinning plates, there's a lot for us to be managing and thinking about. So what's the process that you use that you find most effective?
1: Broadly speaking, Whenever I um, talk to organizations who are doing a deal, first of all, I, I want to be involved obviously before any deal gets completed because it's so important that everything's set up beforehand in a strategic sense. So the part I play is I first of all say, is there a strategy? And is there a strategy that is simple, meaningful, and tells a story? So I will be looking for that story. And if there isn't the story, then let's write the story. I often think of this as like a movie. Let's go ahead and get the storyboard going that has simple messages, simple things we got to do, but they're very clear in terms of what we got to do both before completion but also after. So let's just get this strategy right. The next part in this will play is let's look at the financial success. In other words, let's look at value. Now, sometimes it's really hard to isolate value. You can do it to a certain extent during the due diligence, but don't stop there. In other words, always look for value and talk to the staff, talk to all your key stakeholders in terms of where they see opportunities for value creation. It's amazing how much value does not get identified and turned into real profit. And I think the, the staff are uh, the best when it fonts of knowledge, when it comes to identifying what those sources of value are. And that's part of my role is to help identify where that value lies. And then the final thing is operations and integration is that the part I play here is to let's just look at the operations. And I think of that in terms of something called an operating model and to say, what is the current operating model now? what is the operating model in the future going to be? Let's draw that picture and then let's work out what are the steps we've got to take to get from this operating model to the future operating model. Fundamentally, that's what I do. It's strategy, it's finance, it's operations.
0: You mentioned again valuation and earlier you talked about concept of valuation mistakes. Yes. What do you see in this area of valuation mistakes? What are some of the biggest issues that you see played out in this area? It's a
1: good one. First of all, there's an unclear assessment of what is value in the first place. So when we say this is ensuring that when we do a valuation of a business, we're also looking at what are the synergies that are going to be created from this deal. And so, and I think from a valuation perspective, what we need to do is to itemize all those profit pools or areas of value that can be created post deal and so I think in the valuation process when we value a business we got to also identify what those areas of value can be and there's multiple areas. There is cost savings, of course there are cost savings and they're the easy ones but also there's areas of revenue opportunities. Now, you may not price those revenue opportunities in terms of how you might value the business because revenue is more of a risky area. But nonetheless, still go ahead and try to value what those revenue opportunities are going to be. And the important thing is, is that from a valuation perspective, it's not a point in time. It's a continuous process. So in other words, constantly revisiting your, your valuation and those synergies as you go through the deal. So you might do it through the due diligence, do it again around completion time and also after completion and to see where there are more opportunities to unearth value.
0: I guess this links in then to one of the last areas that I wanted to talk about. We have a lot of people who are advisors, m advisors, accountants. Brokers, what tips do you think come out of each of these areas we've been talking about as being the common mistakes in the M&A Failure Club (laughs) entry process? (laughs) (laughs) What are tips that you have for advisors to business?
1: Well, I'd say to, to advisors, when you're dealing with your customer, think not just about deal completion as being the single point of success, but also think about what deal success really is. So in other words, I'd say to advisors, think of it in ter- from the customer's perspective that yes, they want to acquire business, but don't think it all stops just at completion. Yes, I know that's the way the fees are earned, but to deliver great service to the customer, always think about what is success mm. and think of it in terms of success, not just pure completion, because sometimes bad deals get completed and sometimes an advisor should turn around and say, Quite frankly, I know I may not actually be earning fees here in this particular circumstance. My recommendation is that I don't think this is an appropriate deal to go ahead.
0: This is a really interesting space, isn't it, when a lot of M&A advisors are remunerated on successful transaction completion. Correct. And it's an interesting part of that type of model, isn't it, really?
1: It is. And, and I think so. it's a structural issue that we actually have in M&A that chief executive officers obviously are interested not just in deal completion, but obviously achieving deal success. In other words, they truly do get achieved strategic success, financial success, and operational success. But the advisors are remunerated on completion. In other words, just simply getting the deal completed, and that's how they earn their fees. But I would say that the more enlightened advisors need to think more on the executive side in terms of ensuring that this transaction ultimately becomes a great success because obviously if it's a great success, then obviously there's future work as well with that particular client. So I think it's thinking beyond completion.
0: And I've actually seen a couple of sets of M&A advisors do this really well. And I think you have to be very bold to act in that way with your customers because it's it's a big, brave decision to advise against something that then means you're not getting the big paycheck at the end, you know, quite often M&A advisors will get some sort of payment through the process, but really the the biggest payment comes on success. Whilst it's a bold move, I have seen some of the real benefits that it then creates for those advisors in terms of the relationship, that lifetime relationship that they're building up with the organizations.
1: Absolutely. Sometimes I think executives simply need to be told what they objectively is, is the truth from that advisor's point of view. And it's to say this deal is actually not a good deal. And I recommend that you, we do not proceed. And I think that as an advisor, you're going to get far more respect. You're going to get far more in terms of future business if you simply turn around and say, on this occasion, I do not believe that this is an appropriate deal for you.
0: Look, maybe we should start here by helping to build uh, organizations a checklist for finding the right M&A advisors. Maybe that's a good question to ask when you're um, <laughs> shopping around. When, when have you recommended that a deal shouldn't go through?
1: <laughs> you don't want a bunch of yes men. That's what you don't. You don't want to be surrounded by yes men. You want to have people who sometimes say have the contrarian view and to say, on this occasion, this isn't the right deal for you.
0: Okay, look, Toby, you have given us so much fabulous insight. I really hope you can come and join us again on another podcast. Glad to. There's a lot that we have to talk about and to drill further into. And maybe before we end, are there any last tips that you want to throw out there for organizations who are seeking not to join this famous MA failure club?
1: Well, what I'd say, and I think this is really an appeal to all executives all accountants, and many people involved in M&A. It is one of the most exciting things one can do in the corporate world. It is truly a fantastic opportunity to bring the business that you're with into future heights and to put it onto a new growth path. And so I think it's important then to make sure that we do it right, follow best practice, and I think to make sure that we don't repeat those mistakes. Make sure it's strategically successful, financially successful, And operationally successful and don't join the M&A failure
0: club. Great. Thanks, Toby. And look, what we'll be doing is on our uh, show page or on our podcast at the podcast.com, we will be linking through to you, Toby, so that if organisations or advisors are looking for some assistance in ways that they can avoid joining this illustrious club. failure club. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They can get in contact with you. (laughs) Entry is easy. (laughs) I guess they can always head over to your website and and they'll find you at-
1: Yes, toby.tester at beyondthedeal.com.
0: Great. Wonderful. Thank you, Toby. Thank you so much for your time. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, China. Okay, well, that's a wrap for this two-part series with Toby Tester of Beyond The Deal. We hope you enjoyed the fabulous insights that we've drawn from Toby's experience in the M&A environment and his top tips for keeping away from unwittingly joining the M&A Failure Club. To recap, in this episode, Toby talked about the concepts of mergers and acquisitions as a catalyst for more and better opportunities for growth in an organisation. Toby also warned us against organisations who go about acquiring businesses and leaving nothing but dysfunction in their wake because of their failure to effectively integrate. We also drilled into three key areas, people, process and leadership being essential elements that you ought to be investing in so that you can reap the best results from the M&A transactions. And Toby also gave us an amazing visual of how M&A deals can be akin to the task of spinning plates on sticks. After our short break, Toby walked us through a simple approach that he finds most effective in delivering successful outcomes for his clients. And finally, we wrap things up by leaving you with some actionable steps that you can use, whether you're a buyer or seller yourself or an advisor in this fabulous world of business sales and acquisitions. Now, if you'd like a copy of the full transcript to this episode, head over to our show notes at thedealroompodcast.com and look for this episode, episode 31. Well, that's it. Thanks again for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and The Deal Room Podcast, brought to you by the commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Ladies
1: and, Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to The Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at
0: thedealroompodcast.com.au.